Hey there, this is Ash on the side of Huntington University. You're listening to Rooted, an in-depth conversation with interesting people and topics that matter to the Forrester family. Make sure you subscribe to Rooted on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. You can find us by searching Forrester Radio Rooted. And you can also catch Rooted Sunday evenings at 7 at 105.5 WQHU. Today I'm joined by Mandy and Matt Stevenson. They are teachers in the area. Thank you for joining me. So how long have you each been teaching? Well, this is finishing up my 20th year. So, yep, always been at the same school. Um, I have been teaching for maybe 18 years total. I don't know. <laughs> I have, my experience is a little different. So I think 18 years total, maybe. Mm-hmm. And what's different about your experience? Um, when I graduated from college, it was nearly impossible to find a teaching job, especially in this area. And so I worked as like a paraprofessional and subbing um, for a few couple years. And then I worked in Fort Wayne. So um, I guess maybe this is my 17th year. Yeah, 17th. Okay, so... Um, what are you both currently teaching and have you taught other subjects in the past? I'm teaching math at Huntington North High School and I've always taught math. I've, I was interested in in teaching like theater and stuff, but I don't have a degree in that, but that's always a wish that I had something else I could, could go to if I wanted to. Um, I teach fifth grade. I, at Lincoln Elementary here in Huntington. Um, I have taught um, second grade. I have done like Title I intervention pullout. I have been a data coach. And then I taught in Fort Wayne for um, four years at a charter school. And I taught second grade and third grade. Okay. So uh, what got you both into education in the first place? Well, I was interested. That was... I remember when I was a freshman in high school, we were supposed to write a short paper about where we saw ourselves in 10 years or something like that. And one of the things I put on there was possibly teaching math. And so the fact that I'm, I'm still doing that like 30 years later is kind of kind of astonishing. Um, so there was always something I saw myself doing when I was in high school. I had the opportunity to uh, direct a play and I, I enjoyed that. Um, try to teach people um, things that I felt like I had something to offer. Um, so just had some opportunities to do that. And I had some really awesome math teachers when I was in school. So um, yeah, that's where I just saw myself. And obviously every kid has teachers that they look up to. And, um, you know, I didn't grow up in a professional family. My, my parents weren't professionals of any sort. So I didn't have any other professionals to, go, to look up to other than teachers really so just something that's familiar with um my experience is a little different than matt's i grew up um everyone in my family had gone to college or um, had some type of professional degree including my older brothers um and so i knew i would go into some type of professional career since i was young um and then uh i started out as a speech language pathologist um, major, uh, that's what I was going to do. And then I, Matt and I had started dating (laughs) in high school and I decided when I was 19 years old that I really just wanted to get married to him. And I had decided that 
um, with speech language pathology, you have to have a master's degree. And I had decided that he would not marry me <laughs> after I finished my bachelor's if I did not, um, th that we couldn't get married until I finished my master's. So I decided to switch to education. It was a stupid decision. As far oh, as like, no. No, 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 no. Like, I, I love being a teacher, but it, it's, it's a stupid reason to to switch a major. So looking back, um, I think I would have enjoyed speech-language pathology. I'm sure I would have ended up in a school setting. Um, but it was just young and, and naive decision-making process on my, on my part. Okay, so you got into a little bit about your education history. Is there anything that you'd want to go dive into greater detail on? Well, I, I don't know there's anything necessarily I feel like I need to, but just um, my bachelor's degree is from Purdue University, and when I was probably about seven years in or so, um, I got my master's from Huntington University. Um, so, no, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, I uh, also have a bachelor's from Purdue, um, and yeah, I don't have a master's degree currently, so. Um, how has your teaching style changed since you started? Well, in 20 years, you learn a lot about what works for you and what doesn't work for you, and the things that work in your classroom and things that don't work in your classroom, um, and you know, early on, you think you got the world, you know, in your hands and you think you know everything and, you know, you have great ideas and great thoughts on how things are going to work. But as time goes on, you kind of think, you know, this does, this particular thing doesn't work for me. So um, when you get as far into your career as Manny and I have, you, you learn to, there are things that come down the, down the pipe that you or like, you know what, I don't know that that's going to work for me. I, I will, I'd be, I'd be willing to try some different things, uh, but there are other things I'm like, you know, I've been doing something in a specific way for a long time that really, really works for my students. Um, and it's not, again, it's not that you don't want to change things. Um, it's just that there are things that work for you and, you know, other things work for other people, so... Yeah, I think um, just the more experience you have, the more you learn what works for you. Mm -hmm. um, I just switched to fifth grade two years ago. This is my second year, I guess, teaching fifth grade. And I'm even just learning new things at being a teacher uh, as opposed to I'd been in second grade for, I don't know, seven years or something before that. So I think you definitely learn different things that work. I think for me, the thing I've learned most um, – is just empathy and compassion for people who did not grow up in a setting like I grew up in. I think that's um, the number one thing. And I know that's not necessarily about my teaching style, but just me as a human being, I feel like my, my teaching has definitely impacted how I view, how I view the world. Definitely. Um, so this is a sub point on that question. How do you tailor your teaching style, style like to the different students? And I think you touched on this already a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think it definitely, each group is different. I mean, there are things that like my classroom management is pretty standard, you know, as far as what I do each year, um, my expectations for students, those types of things. So they don't change, but how I approach a student, 
um, you know, I can be really sarcastic and joke around with some students and some students I need to be a little bit more um, just soft-spoken and I'm not really that soft-spoken of a person. So I really <laughs> have to, you know, tailor that to my students. Um, your kids will learn from you if they know that you love them and that you are there to, to help them. Um, I think relationships, especially in an elementary setting, number one most important thing. And I would, I would think Matt would say that too in a secondary setting. It's just so much harder for them because they're only with those students for like 40 or 45 minutes, whereas I'm with my students, you know, six hours a day. So it's definitely different. But I think just learning who they are as people, learning about their families, it's not necessarily the curriculum is important. Obviously, we want to teach what we're supposed to teach. The standards are important, but it's reaching those students and where they are. That's the most important thing that you can do. Yeah, when I, I was you said a lot of the same stuff I was thinking of, but when you're going through your education classes, when you're in school, you don't at least, again, I can't remember us spending any time talking about forming relationships with students. We talk a lot about what you're going to teach and how you're going to teach it. And um, a lot of other things that maybe kind of seem kind of silly at this point. Um, but I don't remember having any serious conversations 20 years ago, 24 years ago, about forming relationships with students. But that's that's probably the biggest thing that changes from student to student to student is how you interact with them on a daily basis. And yeah, Mandy's right. I mean, in her situation, being an elementary teacher, she sees them for hours a day and I see them for 40 to 45 minutes every day. So it is, it is different, but still you, you work on forming an individual relationship with each kid um, as much as you possibly can. So what opportunities and challenges do you find teaching in Northeast Indiana? And like this gets into like some of the location based things, like have you taught anywhere else or is, have you ever taught anywhere else? And then how is that different from teaching here? So I, um, like I said, I had taught in Fort Wayne um, at a charter school, um, 99%, I don't, maybe, it, it was in the 90% of free and reduced lunch rate. Um, so I think you could say what you, what a lot of people would typically call like inner city um, urban students. Um, I think that was, um, I, it was pretty much um, exclusively um, students of color. So I think a lot of that um, just shaped who, again, who I was as a teacher. Um, as as a white woman coming in, there's definitely some cultural barriers that I, I had to learn to overcome. And looking back now, what I don't know what, how many years ago it was, and I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done that differently. You know, you learn some, you're, you know, constantly learning. Um, so I think part of like teaching in Northeast Indiana is I feel like it's very um, insular. Is that the word I'm looking for? Like teaching in Huntington is very different than teaching in Fort Wayne. Um, and I think some of that is just like learning what works for the population of student that you're, you're working with. And your population of student can be very different based on your location. Um, Huntington is a rural community and has a lot of um, rural values. So I think that looks different than teaching, you know, in, in an inner city Fort Wayne school. Yeah, I was thinking about the challenges that we face around here. Um, being, yeah, because we are a rural community and 
Um, we have very dis our community has very distinct values. Um, it, it can sometimes make teaching challenging in terms of what we're teaching. Um, and for instance, a lot of our community views school as a means to get employment. Um, and other people view schooling as a means to just be a productive member of society. And so there's, there's big differences in how we view education. And again, being from rural Indiana, we, it's like a means to get employment as you move ahead. So, um, I, I think that's a challenge that sometimes, well, myself just, I, I see and I face in that it's, sometimes difficult to mesh what I see is a need in education versus what um, our community sees as a need in education. Okay, so what challenges have you faced as a teacher and how have you overcome them? I, I think the main challenges I faced as a teacher, um, politics aside, just in my classroom, I think learning how to have those relationships and building relationships with students, um, you know, it, it is very different than when I grew up in the 80s and early 90s. Things have changed, um, not to sound like, you know, um, a boomer, but like I think, I think times have just changed and, and realizing that they are, students are digital natives that have all information at their fingertips at any point. And so learning how to um, engage them and have conversations with them that are meaningful to them, um, they know so much more than what we give them credit for. Um, and they are prepared to handle things that when I was their age, I was not prepared, nor was I even aware of. I agree with that. Relationships and just the change in, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're learning how to teach, you try to emulate those who you learn most from, the teachers that you learn best from, those teachers that you enjoy the most. And, but things are so much different than when we went through school. Um, I mean, even so much different than it was 10 years ago. It's, there's no compare. And like, for, just to give you a simple example, you know, in today's digital age where every student has a computer at their fingertip, fingertips 24 hours a day. Um, I remember just telling my students years ago, you can use a calculator on this when one's embedded in your arm. Well, now one's basically embedded in their hand all the time. So um, just those kind of things are just things you got to adapt with constantly. And... Um, just asking about challenges <clears throat> as a math teacher, it is very easy now for students to um, cheat. Um, I'm not trying to go to, go negative on this, but it's very easy for them to um, not. We'll, we'll go with not have academic integrity, and um, it's interesting because we've seen um, uh, polls and stuff from students who don't feel that you know, going onto the internet and going wherever they go or going on these math programs that'll solve everything for them. They don't view that as cheating anymore. They view it as using, quote unquote, using their resources, um, which, yes, there are times when that is using your resources, but there's also times when like, 
are you learning anything? Um, so that is over the last probably five to eight years, that has been an enormous challenge. It's really just sped up and sped up and sped up. It's made it really difficult mm -hmm. for students to see value in what they're doing. Okay, my last question is, who is an educator that inspired you in some way? My eighth, seventh and eighth grade math teacher, his name was Mr. Klein. Um, he was... A great guy. He had great relationships with all of the students. Um, I just so immensely enjoyed his class. And, I mean, obviously I like math, but that's where I really felt like I learned that I like math. And I um, saw that, you know, yeah, I can still get down to work, but there's things about this that I really enjoy. Um, and I had another great math teacher when I was in high school as well. Again, these weren't like flashy like do all the fun crazy stuff they were just they expected a lot out of you and they had good relationships with their students um but I, I that yeah i guess that's what it was it was just those two math teachers that i had one in junior high and one in high school that um showed me what it was like to enjoy math this is going to sound ridiculous, but I didn't ever have a teacher I didn't like. Um, there were teachers I would start out having and I would be like, eh, I don't know if I like you, but then by the end I loved them. I'm just very much a people person, so I just typically get along well with others. But I will say that um, an educator who inspired just my approach to teaching um, and how to remember that kids are kids and they're going to make kid mistakes and I just you know when I'm talking with parents I'll say that too like it's just a kid thing this is just something 11 year olds do or this is something eight year olds do and my friend Emily is the person who really um that impacted me just to remember that kids are kids and we need to accept them where they are and there's always room for improvement as there is in any person no matter the age um but she's the person that just taught me just kids are kids and make it fun, meet them where they are, and, and just, just enjoy them. So that's the person I think who's impacted my teaching style the most. Thank you, Mandy and Matt, for joining me on this episode of Rooted, and thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Rooted on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. You can listen to Forrester Radio over the air in Huntington at 105.5 WQHU, or stream us anytime, anywhere at ForresterRadio.com. Stay rooted.